I don't need half the stuff I have to be happy. What I need are, I need my family, I need the people around me, and you know, that's what makes me happy at the end of the day, and that's what I've gotten from those kids so many times, is they have their family, they have enough food to, food to survive, so why, why would they ever be sad? Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travelers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Well, hello, travellers, digital nomads and aspiring travellers alike. And you, yes, you, listening in your Honda Accord on your way to your job in California. How weird is it, if that's right? And you're listening to it, is he talking about me? Yes, I am, John. How, how weird is it now, eh? Anyway, how's it going? I'm Hayden Lee. This is the Travel Stories Podcast. You know the drill. Today, we have on Daniel Van. He is a wonderful guy. He was a pleasure to speak to. He runs an organization called Helping Kids Round First. It is about baseball, which I think is the one where they use that baseball stick and then they hit a ball and try and get a, a slam dunk. Is that the... I think that's the one. Anyway, his organization does fantastic work with kids and, well, he's here to tell you all about it. He's got a book as well. This guy's got a lot going on and a lot of awesome things to say. He also brings us one or two funny stories. It's pretty good. Anyway, let's dive in. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast and this is Daniel Venn. Hi Dan, how's it going? Doing well. How are you tonight? I'm really, really well. I'm glad you picked up that it's night over here in England. It's, uh, what is it, 20 to 11? So... Yeah, I've got my candles going. Candles burning at both ends, yeah. And it's whereabouts in the world are you at the moment? I am in Colorado in the United States, and it's the middle of the afternoon, and it is beautiful outside right now. Oh, you're just making me envious now. That's not cool. Well, I didn't get to spend my day at a birthday party, so... <laughs> yes. So me and Daniel were just talking talking before this call, and I've just come back from my own, mine and my brother's joint birthday dinner, and my sister made the most ridiculous cake. It's absolutely ridiculous. Tell you what, I'll put a picture in the show notes so you guys can check it out. 14 inches. Mental. <laughs> so you're in Colorado. That's um, We get a lot of people from Colorado, and there seems to be a lot of travelers in Colorado. Why do you think that is? Is it the, the, the free spirited thinking or what do you think about that i think colorado i mean number one for me it's the mountains being from minnesota there was no mountains there but i absolutely think that i've only lived here for a few months and i would say 85 percent of the people i've met were transplants people who have moved to colorado mm -hmm. i think in my neighborhood we have 15 different states license plates just parked on the street because people from all over the united states are coming to colorado right now and i think the lifestyle has a lot to do with it out here Hmm, and maybe recent legal changes, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say that's not a factor for some people. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Got it. So you grew up in Minnesota, did you say? Yep. Oh, nice. And uh, here's a question. What did your childhood smell like? If you could name a smell that your childhood could be summed up in, what do you think that would be, man? Horse poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. I'd have to agree with that with mine, to be honest. Isn't that a great smell? Uh, you get used to it after a while. I grew up with my mom always had horses and we live out in the country. So we can't, never lived anywhere near other people. And so I always grew up with horses as friends instead of, you know, kids my age. 
Mm, mm, nice. And it's there's something about growing up in a kind of rural setting. And like you say, with Colorado, if someone grew up there, there's the mountains, there's the whole uh, backline of stuff all there. And I think that probably changes you as a person and your outlook on what there is in the world. You know, if you grew up in a city, if you grew up in Chicago or something like that, you might have a different um, kind of a different outlook on it, you know? And I think it's a, yeah. I think that's an important, important point on how it shapes your view of the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm from a very, very small town, one stoplight kind of town. And I think when you come from a town that's small, you either never leave that town the rest of your life or you become an avid traveler. It's one or the other. Mm, yeah, yeah. I've, I've found that often, often to be the case. So Daniel was a semi-professional baseball player, which is amazing. First off, I mean, we don't even have baseball here and I'm already impressed. That's totally cool. So has that taken you to many places in the world to bring it back around to travel? Yeah, baseball has brought so much opportunity into my life. And whether, you know, as a someone who hasn't seen much baseball, it sounds impressive, but I have to admit I am probably the worst college baseball player to come through the United States in a long time. <laughs> wow. That's some sort of record. I think so. I'm pretty proud of it. Um, <laughs> you I was, should be. That's I was good. always just good enough to make the team, but never good enough to help us win. Oh, right. Okay. You're that guy. Yeah. Yep. I was always that guy and, and I embraced it and it's taken me to a lot of really cool places in the world and given me a lot of opportunities. So baseball's done a lot for me. Mm, nice. And how did it take you to different places in the world? What does that, what does that look like? Well, coming from a little tiny town like I did, I had never traveled. I'd never flown on an airplane before all the way through high school. I had The farthest away I'd gone is Wisconsin, which is the next state over. Um, and I was in college. I made the baseball team at my college, and I played a year. And that offseason, they coach sent an email saying, hey, there's this organization who's just looking for baseball players who want to come to Costa Rica and play for the summer. And I said, well, what the heck? And they flew me down to Costa Rica, and we spent the season – playing all the way across Central America, and it was absolutely incredible. Nice. Now let's zoom in just for a second on that what-the-heck moment. So when you, got the, when you got the notice of they wanted people to go down to Costa Rica, how long did it take for you to make the decision? Was it a very, very quick, like you say, what-the-heck decision? Let's, ju let's just do it. Did you think about it for a few days? And what really pushed you into it? I think I called them that night after getting the email. Nice. That's the way to do it. You're a make happener. I love it. I wanna, when it comes to travel, I've always been a last minute, let's just, let's do it. Uh, my most recent tri trip to Nicaragua, um, the guy running the trip got my name from a, a friend of his and called me on a Wednesday and said, hey, Dan, this is what we've got going on. Uh, on Saturday, we're going to Nicaragua. You know, maybe you'd be interested in the future to come with us. And I said, I can come on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and so a couple of days later, we are on an airplane to Nicaragua, and that's just kind of how I've always traveled. That is the way to do it. I think we're kindred spirits in that sense. Mm -hmm. I, I too really, really enjoy the the way you can just get up and do it. You know, it's like, well, I could do that. Yeah, okay, I'll just do it. <laughs> you know, just get it done, go there and do it. With travel, if you think about it too much, you're going to find reasons not to do it. Oh, yes. That is so perfectly put. Because as soon as you get that call, so you could have got that notice, hey, we need someone to go to Costa Rica. And then if you'd have thought about that for maybe two days, three days, all of these things had come into your head like, oh, well, maybe, well, I'd miss my family. Well, maybe this will happen whilst I'm gone. What about the prices of the flights? All these things come in. But if you just, there's an interesting phrase, throw your backpack over the fence. So imagine you have to get over a fence. If you throw it straight over, you have to go over, right? 
Yeah. And, and all of the things you worry about, if you commit yourself just to do it, you're going to find a way to make them work. Yes, that's absolutely it. There's another phrase, all these phrases are coming to me now. There's another one, which is just firing and correcting course along the way. Mm-hmm. Like instead like of, that. that's it. Instead of, oh, here's another one, paralysis by analysis. <laughs> all of these are, are wonderful things for travel. They may or may not be all by the same person, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Ferriss, man, you got to love him. <laughs> so I'd love to talk about helping kids round first. What's that all about, man? Sure. Well, Helping Kids Round First is the nonprofit organization I ended up on a whim going to Nicaragua with. And what they do is in Nicaragua, it's the poorest country in Latin America and the second poorest country in the entire Western Hemisphere behind Haiti. Um, So, I mean, there's not very much opportunity, especially for children in Nicaragua. A lot of times the kids end up leaving elementary school and fourth or third grade because their families need them at home to work in the fields because food is more important than education when you're that poor. And so what Helping Kids Round First does is they collect donated baseball equipment from all around the United States and they ship it to Nicaragua and then they fly down and they take the baseball equipment and they just they drive around and they give it to kids all around the country. And for a kid who hasn't had an opportunity to get an education, who is stuck working in the fields all day, you know, it might just be a game to us in the United States or wherever you play. Um, but to a kid there, it's an opportunity to have a childhood. And with the amount of money that's thrown around in the major leagues right now, It gives kids hope that they could escape poverty through baseball. And that was really cool to be a part of. Man, that is that sounds absolutely great. And I I really like the one thing you said, it helps kids to have a childhood. And I think that is so not only so important, but so overlooked in today's society, because that's what being a kid is all about. And I think when you grow up, you do obviously lose that childhood childlike part of you. But I think it's still important when you're an adult. But Going back to the kids, I think that is one of the most important things in their life that is, like I say, overlooked. And the fact that you're going down there and you're you're giving this to them when otherwise they may not have had it because they've got um, different things on their mind to have to, to to have to sort out. I think it's really important that you go down, go down there and do that. So um, that's really really great, man. Really like that. Well, thanks. And absolutely, we actually um, we received a letter from a young girl in northern Nicaragua. We also bring softball equipment for girls so they can play as well. And her letter, she was 11 years old, and her letter said, it was, just, it was laying out what she does in an average week. And she's like, well, Monday through Friday, I'm in the fields picking crops with my parents. Um, every single day, I have to walk this many miles to bring water back to my family. Uh, Friday night, we go to church. On Saturday, I get to go to school for a couple hours. And then on Sunday, I get to play softball. And that was like the big thing she looked forward to every week was just that opportunity to play one day a week and how much that meant to her was really cool. Mm, Absolutely, man. So me and Dan were talking just before the call and he mentioned a book which was uh, to do with this Helping Kids round first. Dan, can you tell us a bit about the book? Sure. Um, The book was just published earlier this month. I just got my copies and it's called Beyond Baseball, Rounding First. And it presents our trip to Nicaragua, the two-week trip that we did But really, I mean, it's a baseball book. I talked to a lot of baseball players, some major and minor leaguers from Nicaragua about their experience growing up in Nicaragua. But for me, the trip was it was beyond baseball. It went so far beyond baseball, meeting the people we met, seeing what we saw. Um, The Rounding First, the nonprofit, does so much more than sports. They also work to bring sustainable agriculture to farmers up in the northern parts of Nicaragua, where it is just desert, 102 degrees every day, and you can't grow anything. And they're also working to bring hospital supplies the hospitals across Nicaragua because they have very poor healthcare outcomes. And so for me, the trip was, I mean, it was baseball, 
but it really went beyond baseball for me. And that's what I try and touch on in the book. It's just the amount of good this nonprofit's doing in baseball and in otherwise for Nicaragua. Mm. I love the way you look at it, man. It's like a lot of people would look at it and see, well, why do kids down there need baseball equipment? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make, make sense on a, on a, the way you look at it first, you know, but then if you, if you just look at it for a second longer, it's, well, these are the reasons that it helps them out in their life. And we do take those things for granted when you can just go down the store and get a baseball and a glove, you know, we take those things for granted, but it's giving them so much more than the tools, you know, it's giving them so much more than a bat, you know, and a glove. It's giving them opportunity. That's what I love about it. Absolutely. And, and I'll be completely honest, going into the trip, I was skeptical when they called me like, yeah, we're going to bring some kids, some bats and some balls and change the world. And I was like, is that going to change the world? Is that what they really need in Nicaragua? But being down there and meeting the kids and just seeing the, the hope in their eyes and seeing how happy it made them. And even if it only makes them happy for a couple hours a week, they wouldn't have had that otherwise. Mm, yeah, definitely, man. So you've got a story for us today. Yes, I do. Fantastic. Where does the story take place? Um, it's going to be mainly focused on Nicaragua, but you know what? I like to ramble, so we're going to throw in a couple other countries along the way. Ah, a fellow rambler. Good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what would you like to call this story? I'm going to call this, um, may I have a towel, please? <laughs> yes, I love it. It's so intriguing. <laughs> I can't wait. Brilliant. Well, you are listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Daniel Venn with May I Have a Towel, Please. We were walking through the airport in Managua, Nicaragua, nervously. Behind us, we pulled seven suitcases. A few of them had our clothes and our personal belongings for the trip, but the majority of them were stuffed full with over $10,000 of brand new, in-the-package baseball gloves and baseballs. And we hadn't declared any of it on our customs forms. By any legal definition, we were smuggling the equipment into the country. We had good intentions. All of it would be given to needy children across the country, and if we had to pay taxes on it, our whole trip would be ruined. But it was unlikely the Nicaraguan government would see it the same way we did. So we're in the airport with our bags, and as we're approaching the border control station, Craig, the founder of the nonprofit I was traveling with, a 65-year-old man I had met earlier that day for the first time in the airport, leaned over and whispered in my ear that he didn't speak Spanish, and I would be in charge of negotiating with the border security. Personally, I've had my fair share of language mix-ups while traveling. So knowing I would be in charge of either talking our way through security or into prison terrified me. A few years earlier, I'd landed in Costa Rica. It was way too late at the in the night to just show up at my host family's house. It was past midnight. I didn't think that would be appropriate to just show up and say, hey, wake up, welcome me into your house. So I decided to get a hotel room for the night. That morning, flying to Costa Rica, we'd had computer problems on our plane. We'd sat on the tarmac for hours waiting for the technician to arrive to fix the computers. He finally showed up four or five hours later and, no joke, suggested that they try turning the computers off and back on again. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> and they worked. It felt like a scene from the IT crowd. 
So because of this, I missed all my connecting flights and I got to San Jose, Costa Rica at midnight instead of 12 in the afternoon. So I get a hotel room, and I head straight for the shower. After being in airports and airplanes for 24 straight hours, I just wanted to rinse off and go to bed. Of course, my hotel room didn't have any towels, and I couldn't find the one I had packed in my suitcase. But I figured I knew enough Spanish to ask for one at the front desk. I took Spanish in high school and in college, and I could pretty confidently say, may I have? And I knew the word for towel, and I knew the word for please in Spanish. So confidently I could say, may I have a towel please? Just to be sure, I practiced it a few times in my room and then marched myself to the front desk in the lobby. I woke up the attendant and said, may I have a towel, please? The guy just stared at me. You, you want a, a towel? You want a, a towel? You sure you want a towel? I hadn't practiced anything else, so I repeated myself. May I have a towel, please? Again, he just stares at me confused. You want a towel. He spoke slower in Spanish to make sure I understood him. I hadn't practiced anything else, so I just repeated myself. The guy shook his head, muttered something about gringos, and disappeared into the back room. I could hear him bad-talking me to one of his co-workers about the crazy gringo asking for a towel at the desk. Cabinets and drawers opened, trying to find me a towel. A few minutes later, he came back out, and he handed me a tampon. I'd learn a couple days later that in Costa Rica they use a different word for towel than in the Spanish classes I'd been taught in high school. I had asked for a tampon. So after being part of this language gaffe and many others while I've been traveling, I was absolutely terrified to speak with the Nicaraguan border agents. Who knew what I would accidentally say to them while trying to negotiate our way into the country? So we get to security, and the first step was to load all of our bags onto an x-ray scanner. The first one went through, and the man working the scanner said, we gotta check that one. The next bag goes through. He points to it and says, that one needs to be searched too. By the time our seventh bag had gone through, he was frantically waving to the other security guards and saying that all of our bags needed to be searched immediately. So we were led to a separate area to have our bags searched, terrified. The best outcome was that the security agents would confiscate all of our baseball equipment and our trip would be severely hampered, losing $10,000 worth of equipment on the first night. The worst outcome, well, we might end up on an episode of Locked Up Abroad. So we're walking to the security area, pulling our bags behind us, terrified. Craig was whispering into my ear about how I could try to bribe off the border agents. He had had to do it before. He'd met a border patrol agent in the parking lot after dark and given him a bat and a ball for his kid and a wad of cash to let them into the country. Jay, our other traveling companion, and a longtime friend of Craig, was whispering in my ear to try and show the border agents our suitcase full of books. Jay had been coming to Nicaragua with Craig for years, and every time he came down, it was his personal project to bring children's books to donate to a daycare, so we had a suitcase full of them. We were taken to a little metal table in the back of the security area where two guards with guns were standing there to search our bags. They asked us to put our bags up on the table. We put the bag of books on first, and then we put Craig's personal bag of clothes next to it. Books. It's just books, the agent said, tearing through the bag and holding up a Dr. Seuss bag. I tried to explain to him in my broken Spanish that we are a nonprofit and all the books were, being, were going to be given to children at a daycare. I tried to show them Craig's passport 
He had page after page of Nicaraguan border stamps from all of his trips down there. I tried to explain that he had been coming for years to help the children. The other guard was going through Craig's personal bag. He held up a pair of Craig's underwear, confused. Everything's for the children, I said. Well, except for those pointing to the underwear. They didn't laugh. So they tossed the books in Craig's bag aside and demanded that we show them the rest of our bags. I put my personal bag of clothing up next, and Jay put his as well. We were trying to stand in front of our bags of baseball gear to hide them so the guards wouldn't see them. The guard opened up Jay's bags. His underwear was sitting on top. The guard picked up a pair with a disgusted look on his face. Just go. Just go, he said, dropping the underwear and pointing towards the door, not wanting to find any more in our bags. We didn't even take the time to zip up our bags then. We just grabbed them and hurried toward the exit. For two weeks, we drove across Nicaragua. We went as far as north as Honduras and as far south as Costa Rica. And we handed out donated baseball and softball gear to children village by village along the way. We met young baseball players who had nothing more than a stick they had cut from a tree for a bat and a rolled up pair of socks for a ball. We met young girls fighting back against sexism and oppression at Nicaragua's only softball academy. They practiced with homemade equipment and trained in a makeshift weight room that didn't have any actual weights. It just had rocks of different sizes for them to lift. We met with government officials to negotiate and sometimes bribe the shipment of a donated hospital equipment in the country. The country has one of the poorest healthcare outcome ratios in, in Central America. We finished our trip in the northern deserts of the country where drought had dragged on for years, making farming nearly impossible. While there, we met with farmers to teach them sustainable farming practices and help install irrigation systems that would allow them to water their crops despite the drought. It was an incredible trip all in all, one I was very fortunate to be part of. But it's funny to think that without a suitcase full of children's books and a couple pairs of old man underwear, we might never have had the trip happen. Man, that was so funny. <laughs> Absolutely loved that. And you know what? I'm so impressed that you know the IT crowd. You know, my dad, my dad loves it. <laughs> it's a great show. It's a great it's, show. It's funny. You know? It really it's, is, man. British humor doesn't, I don't always get it, but that's one I like. <laughs> yeah. We actually had a bit of British humor in, uh, in the old episode, in the previous episode, actually, with uh, Guy Earnshaw on the travel tips. And we were just, just completely dry saying about first aid. And I was saying about how to do it wrong, but like it was right. And I really hope people understood it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they don't try and do the things I was saying. But there's something else that you mentioned, the um, language mix-ups, man. They can be the funniest things. They really, really can. It's one of those situations that you just, you can't make it up. You know, you just can't make it up. And I have absolutely no shortage of them. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I think it's, I think anyone that learns a second or third or fourth language, they, you can't help but go into them. In fact, I had one once. So my ex-girlfriend was Brazilian. Uh, she still is, I believe. And um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a dad joke there. And, um, and so I was meeting her grandma for the first time. And I couldn't remember whether grandmother in Portuguese was avó or avó which are very similar. And so I said, uh, so I said, oi, ovo, which means, hello, egg. <laughs> you know? So she's like, what, egg? What? So yeah, that's one. But man, they can be the funniest things. They really I was in Western Samoa for the Peace Corps just for a little while. And this was a story, thankfully it didn't happen to me, but I had it passed to me. Um, their language, I think it's only 13 letters long. 
So all of the words are really long and it's all about how you pronounce the word and how you say it and where you put the accent. Mm. The same word spelled the same exact way, but pronounced things can, can have four or five different meanings based on how you say it. And one of the, the volunteers there we were talking to said he had a really tough day at school. He went home, he was exhausted, he was sore, and that there was, there was a lady in town who would give massages for money. That was her job. She would give massages. I love where this is going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and so he comes home after you know, a long day of school. And this is an incredibly Christian conservative country, just incredibly Christian. Um, and he comes home after a long day of school and his host mom's like, how was your day? And he goes, oh, it was, it was terrible. I'm so tired. I need a massage. And his host mom gets all weird. And she's like, okay. And she pulls the curtains down and she leaves the house. And he's like, oh, okay, man. I don't know what this is about. Um, I hope she's going to get the lady for my massage. So he lays down on the floor to wait for her. And about half an hour later, his host mom comes back and knocks and says, can I come in? And she comes in and he goes, uh, did, did you get the ladies to come for the massage? And his host mom gets weird again and leaves. <laughs> and uh, 15 minutes later, his host brother comes in. His host brother's like, are you done? And he's like, done with what? The ladies haven't shown up yet. And he said, oh, you wanted a massage. You told your mom that you wanted to masturbate. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. It's like I knew it was coming, but I did Oh, dear. Oh, man. I, I love the fact that she just went, yeah, okay, and just left the house, you know? <laughs> you do what you got to do. I'll be back. That's a cool woman right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love and, and the host brother as well came, the host son, rather. And he comes in, he's are you done? So Are we all good? You know, it's, uh, man, what cool people. That's awesome. It must have been one of those, uh, you know what, this must be what they do in America, those yeah. crazy Americans. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Oh, man. So back to the story. Oh, even though I loved that little detour. That was fantastic. <laughs> so um, when, you were, when you were down there and you were within all the villages and everything, and so did, did seeing their makeshift bats and balls and their weight equipment, did that change your perception or your thoughts when you got back to the States? And obviously these things are in abundance. And did it change your thoughts at all? Absolutely. The, I think the big thing it did for me as a baseball player is it made me realize just, just how lucky and fortunate we are here in the United States growing up. I mean, growing up, I always had a glove. I always had a bat. I always had as many balls as I wanted. After school, every single day, I could go to a little league field and have a coach coach me on a nice field with grass on it. I mean, for these kids in Nicaragua, that's not how it is. They're playing with balls of socks that they've rolled up and wrapped tape around. They're playing with sticks they pulled off of trees. They're playing in farmer's pastures, trying to get cows to move out of the way for them so they can play. And it really made me appreciate for the first time all that I had growing up. Mm. It's one of the things I think that we we do hear a lot when people go traveling and they go to countries that are poorer than their own. They go to third world countries, they go to other countries and they see how people are living and then they come back and say, well, they completely rethink where they're from and, you know, how people are living from where they're from. And I think the thing about it is, is. I've been to these places as well, and I've seen how they're living, and it's less lavish, obviously, than than countries like mine or yours. But you know what? The the happiness always seems to be there, especially with the kids. Is that something you found as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, and for me, you know, it makes me realize I don't need half the stuff I have to be happy. Mm. What I need are I need my family, I need the people around me, and you know that's what makes me happy at the end of the day, and that's what I've gotten from those kids so many times is. They have their family. They have enough food to, food to survive. So why, why would they ever be sad? 
that's it. That's one of the biggest things, uh, the biggest shifts in my mind. I know when I when I came back from going traveling for a while, it's one of the biggest shifts because it completely makes you rethink how you're living. Do you really need that new watch? Do you really need the Mercedes instead of the BMW? You know, I mean, obviously Mercedes are a lot better than BMWs, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you really need all this stuff, or is is the thing that you need actually true happiness within yourself and finding out who you are, being around the people that you love? and connecting with people and creating things with them and I think that the the answer often seems to be yes that is actually all that you need absolutely and I think for me travel has become less about the places that I see like it's really cool to go see Machu Picchu or go see some historical site but it's become more about the people that I meet and the relationships that I form that's what I enjoy about traveling the most it's who I meet who I become friends with or who I become family with um, more than where I go or what I see. I absolutely agree. Like when I talk to someone that says, oh yeah, I've been to 150 countries. It's like, well, that's cool. You know, it's good that you've seen that much of the world. And obviously there will be some amazing life-changing revelations in that. But then when I hear someone say, I mean, I've been to I've been to three countries, but in those three countries, I've lived there for three months, helped out the villages, built houses for people and learned about their culture and learned about myself. I find there's so much value in that, you know, so much value. And for me, it's I mean, obviously, there's places I want to go. There's places I haven't seen that I want to see. But it's always a, a competition in my mind is would I rather go somewhere new or would I rather go back somewhere I've been and get to spend more time with the people that I know there? That's exactly it. It's all about the experience and the connection, man. That's something I found and that's something what a lot of our listeners have found as well. So tell us more about Helping Kids Round First. How can people get involved if they can? How can people help out and where can they find you? Sure. If anyone's interested in helping with Helping Kids Round First, they can go to helpingkidsroundfirst.org and they can find all the information and contact information for the nonprofit there on that website. Um, they're going down now. The, Craig, the man who runs it, is going down every single month now to either bring baseball, hospital, or farming equipment to Nicaragua. So there's lots of potential going forward to get involved with, you know, really anything. It doesn't have to be baseball um, that you can help out with. If anyone's interested in the book, you can find it at www.danvenn.com. Um, the book's available now. It's $12, and a portion of every purchase through the website will be given directly to Helping Kids Round First because I'd like to continue to support them going forward. Fantastic. And that's every month he's going down now. That's great. Every single month. That's really, really great. And the book, it's not just about baseball, right? Like you were saying before, it's, I mean, if someone like myself didn't know anything about baseball, I know they use a stick and they hit the kind of spherical <laughs> thing and see how far it goes. But <laughs> if anyone doesn't know about baseball, is the book still an enjoyable read? I think, I hope so. Um, For me, you know, my older sister who just always dreaded being dragged to my baseball games growing up because I was always playing. Um, she read it and she said, you know what? I don't like baseball, but man, that farming stuff was really cool. And the way you guys are helping women, you know, really connected with me. So I think there's something in the book for everybody, even if you're not a baseball fan. Awesome. Well, we will link to all of that in the show notes for you guys. Thank you very much, Daniel. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, thank you. Happy awesome. birthday, by the way. Oh, well, thank you very much. What a pleasant man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, dude. This has been great. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you. Awesome. Nice to speak to you, man. Have a good one. See ya. Bye-bye. Go travel. You know, I think it's so easy to find reasons not to travel, um, but you will never regret it if you do. 
Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at Travel Stories UK or online at travelstoriespodcast.com where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories podcast.